going to be talking about the strategy of the enemy, okay? And I'm going to say this one time, and I'm not going to try to say it over and over with each thing we talk about. But the enemy has a strategy. There is a real thing called the adversary, okay? There is a real strategy out there against God's plan, his way, his kingdom, and his people. That's a real thing. I'm starting to see more and more of it. Like the enemy has not wanted what God has revealed to me to come out to this morning. There is a real enemy with a strategy. He sometimes uses other people as pawns in his strategy. So I'm going to make a point. Basically, it's a strategy. And I'm going to say the word. And then I'm going to give you the opposite of that. But I'm not going to focus on the opposite. Are we clear? I don't want to focus on the enemy. I don't want to focus on the, the opposite of God's kingdom. We're going to focus on God and his way and his nature. And I'm going to trust that you and God are going to spend some time this week. And the Lord is going to reveal even more truth to you about the lies of the adversary. Does that sound good? Amen. That's where we're going. Turn into the book of Nehemiah. And that's where we're going to start again this morning. And in Nehemiah... Um, listen, if you'll read this sometime on your own, you're, you're going to see that, um, that there was adversary. Listen to this. Nehemiah was doing God's thing, correct? Listen, if you read it, you'll see this. He was doing God's work. He was doing it God's way. He was in obedience. He was walking in actually beautiful relationship with God. He was doing God's work, and there was still advers- ad- like an adversary, Correct? There's some of us in this room that we're doing God's work. We're trying to have this relationship with the Lord, but we continually come up against like this this confrontation, this struggle, and it is adversity. And today we're going to walk through just a couple of things real quick, and then I'm going to land on two that we're going to focus on for more than just the other two this morning. Let me go ahead and say this. How we end this thing this morning is that we are going to usher in all of our kids We're going to bring in sixth grade to now the way down to kindergarten, and we're going to pray over them. So don't be alarmed when you see a bunch of children start coming in that door over there. That's how we're going to end this thing this morning, by praying over them. Amen? So that's where we're going to land this plane. But here's the strategy that the Lord has given to me. I am sharing with you what he has said to me. Listen, he's going to say even more to you because he loves you and he has a relationship with you. So don't just think that these things that I say is it. No, I challenge you to go spend some time with the Lord and say, all this stuff is coming up against me. My mind is a wreck. My life is a wreck. God, what is the strategy? He'll give it to you, I promise. Something that he said to me, and he said, I will give you this. I give you this so that you can go from feeling like you're on the defense to where now you're on the offense. Because God's children are on the offense, even when we don't feel like it. If I could come down and I could just say, there are times, many times, I don't feel like, as God's child, that I get to be on the offensive. I actually feel, in current seasons, where I'm on the defense, I'm like, bam, blow here, and a blow here, and then a blow here, and then, oh, I didn't even see that, and I tripped over it. And how in the world did that get in my mind? So guess what? We're all in this thing together. And I'm here to tell you what the Lord has told me, is that we are not, as his children, to continue to be on the defensive anymore. 
hey guys, we're on the offensive. And when I know the enemy's strategy, that immediately puts me in a different place. Those lyrics that you just sang, he is the way maker. He is the one who is going to shed light in the darkness. The enemy just wants you to focus on the darkness. He is a miracle worker. I'm living proof of it. You're living proof of it. He's a promise keeper. And that's what we're going to talk about here today in Nehemiah. These two that I'm getting ready to say, the first is this. The strategy is this. It's his presence. Josh just perfectly led us right into it. Listen, we're in a building, we're at Hope City, yes. But most importantly, primary, number one, in the strategy against the adversary is that we've got to recognize his presence. I don't have like an hour to focus on that, but I could focus just on his presence. Nehemiah, and I hope that you go and read this amazing account because Nehemiah was always aware of God's presence. Even when things looked bleak, he was always going back to God's presence. Tomorrow morning, you and I are going to hit the ground and our, and, and our first thought in this place, if you're sitting here hearing this, our first thought tomorrow is the fact that I'm in his presence. I don't know what the enemy's going to say to you. I don't know what your wife or your children or your spouse or your boss is going to say to you. I don't know what that's going to be, but you're going to remind yourself, and I need you to write it down if you need to, write it on your hand, but I am in God's presence. It's a strategy against the enemy. See, the opposite of that is that my attention is everywhere else. Facebook, Instagram, I, listen, I love them. I think it's an amazing thing. We've got a great account. Like we do amazing things on there. We put stuff out there, content. But here's the thing. That can be a distraction because instead of being aware of God's presence, my attention through those amazing outlets are blasted everywhere except the fact that I'm in God's presence. And I'm not against social media. I am not against the technology at all. It's an amazing thing. We're actually tapping more into it than we've ever done before. But if my attention and my awareness is more about that than I'm in the presence of God, I am just an open door for being wore out. Nehemiah, go look at this. He was always aware of the presence of God. Always The second word, and I'm not spending much time on this, but it is the fact that God is the provider. He has provision. It is a strategy against the enemy. And I believe, and I don't even know, I, I don't know who was it. Was it you, Lori, or was it you? It was Braxton. You this morning just brought that out to the light about our finances. The enemy sees an open door when it comes to our finances. And what he does is he tells you the lie because that's his native language. And he says to this, he says, hey, you're never going to be able to get out of debt. You're never going to have enough. You're never going to have what you need. You are going to be, and you fill in the blank because I know that I'm not the only one he's been lying to. You see, here's the strategy. When the enemy starts to come against you in that light, here's what you get to say. Hey, no, my God is the provider. We're going to spend like many weeks in September talking about generosity. We are getting ready to talk about a very hot topic, and it talks about your money. 
You're going to hear amazing testimonies of people talking about how God actually is the provider. It's God who is the provider. It's not the church. It's not our government. It is God who is the provider. And you look here in Nehemiah, you're going to spend some time this week looking at Nehemiah in chapter 2, and you're going to see all of the things that God provided Nehemiah. Just real quick, I'll just say this, and you can write this down, you can write on your phone, you can do whatever. But in Nehemiah, look at this, chapter 5, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 5. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 5, God provides favor. He provides favor. In verse 6, he provides time. And you can look and read this for yourself. In, in verse 7, it, it, it's safety, that God provided safety for Nehemiah. In the eighth verse, it goes on and it says that he provided timber, wood, to rebuild the wall. It's amazing. And if we're just reading this, if we're reading this under like just the flesh, or I'm just reading this to study it, but I'm not asking God, what are you actually saying to me through this? You're going to think, listen, that Nehemiah just got lucky that he was in the right place at the right time. The king and queen were in a good mood and they gave him this. No. I believe that there are people in this very room that God has blessed, that God has poured out his provision I believe he's poured it out upon you. And listen, there are even some in this room who know that it came from God, not just for them, but it goes from God to them and open-handedly they are blessing other people. That's what the king and queen were used for here. God was the provider. He was the one who made those trees grow in that unbelievable forest. We just read it and think, well, man, those kings and queens and those people were in a good mood and they were being nice. No, God set it in motion this way. And if you're sitting in this room and God has bestowed upon you as followers of Jesus, it is not so that we can have an abundance. It's so that we can in turn be a vessel that gives back. That's it. The king is not the creator of time in this story. The king sitting beside the queen asked Nehemiah, how how much time are you going to need? How how long are you going to be gone? God's the one who created that. God's the one who put it in motion. And if you're here today and you're on eggshells and you're worried because you got four bills that are overdue, can I tell you something? You may have made some bad choices that actually put you in that place. But God is giving you wisdom and he is speaking to you. There may be some things that have to change, but I can promise you this. I know for a fact, I've seen it with my own eyes. God can provide things for you that you didn't even know you needed to ask for. Well, this is the Old Testament story and all this stuff. Well, let me just tell you what the New Testament says. You know what it says, and I think it's in Matthew. Somebody go please look this up. But it's in Matthew. I think Jesus is standing there with all of his disciples, and he says, hey, guess what, guys? Guess what? My dad, God, knows what you need 
before you even ask. And that is what you and I are living under today. God is the provider. You want a strategy against the enemy? Because the enemy's going to lie to you and he's going to say this. He's going to say, hey, well, well, yeah. No, you have to go out there and do all these things and you are not smart enough. You're not disciplined enough to get yourself out of this predicament. That's what the enemy says. I don't want to see a show of hands. I don't want to see a nod, but I know the lie the enemy has said is you'll never get out of debt. That's a lie from the enemy. You know what the father is saying? He said, yeah, we may have to do some things different, but I did not create my children to be in financial burden and debt. We're going to to spend many weeks talking about this generous lifestyle. We're going to do a class. I think it starts in November. We're going to do a class for four weeks because I want every person in this room, in this community to know what it is like to live a generous lifestyle. You're going to hear some amazing stories from amazing men and women. I can promise you something. The enemy does not want you to know that God actually is provider. I'm going to land right here with these two. And it's a word that we throw around here a lot in church. It's a Christian term and it's something that is used and it may not be explained. Let me just explain it the way God has explained it to me. When the enemy is coming against me, which he does and is, and I hate this, but he's going to continue to. Ever since God said, let there be light, somewhere, maybe even before then, there has been like adversity. There is someone called the enemy that does not want to see God's plan and children move together. There's always been opposition. You can look it up. There's always been opposition. But his kingdom and his way is never going to be overcome. Do you hear that? That's restoring hope to somebody, I hope. Even though there's opposition, there's never going to be a day where God and his way has been overcome. And it's this word that we're going to look at for just a minute, and it is his providence. If you're sitting there against the enemy, the adversary, there's there's strife in you. You've got to focus not on the fact that there is some opposition. Listen, yes, you can acknowledge it, but our focus has to go on his presence. The fact that he's going to provide. And then this one right here is that God is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. And he is everything in between. I believe there are some of us in this room who panic and go crazy, stressing, running wild, all distracted because we forget. We know this, I think, but we forget the fact that he is the beginning and the end and everything in between. He is providential. Can I just say about it in Nehemiah? He knew that this wall was going to be destroyed. He knew it. He knew that Nehemiah was actually going to be the one to repair the wall in 52 days. He knew all that. Let's think about it. Let's just stand back for a second and let's put your life in the mix. Not Nehemiah, not the destroyed wall, not the hurting people, but let's just put your life because this stuff is personal. Let's put your life in the mix. Bring your current events, bring your current state, bring everything that is going on in your life And I'm practicing this with you. Do you think for a second there's ever been a moment where God was up there in heaven 
and he was freaking out and he was worried and he was asking Jesus on one side and he was asking Gabriel, the other archangels. He's like, hey guys, what are we going to do? There's never been a second like that. No, God's seated on the throne. Do you know why? Even though there is opposition and chaos, do you know why he's seated on the throne? Yeah, he's God. But he's the Alpha and the Omega and everything in between. I'm preaching to myself here, my friends. The opposite of his providence is like knowing that is you. <laughs> That's funny, laugh. <laughs> That's funny. The opposite of him, his providence, and beginning, the end, and everything in between is you. You're the opposite of that. You are the opposite of that. And the enemy and his strategy we're not focusing on this morning is always going to be telling you it's about you. And I know for a fact that the opposer wants me to constantly be focused on me. There's, there's a picture I want to show on the screen, and it's, it's of the solar system. And, and I want you to look at what is the middle of that, the sun. I just did some research that my wife and I were laying in bed watching PBS, UNC TV. I don't know, it's 26.1, and you got Explorer Channel and Rudel. We skipped past that, but like we were watching all those channels, and this month has been on the planets, and it's pretty boring. I don't know why in the world we waste trillions and billions of dollars on all that stuff, but listen, to each his own, right? But here's the deal. I was listening to something they were saying about Saturn, and they were talking about this guy, and he actually said for the first time publicly, and he wrote a book about it, like in like the 1500s, and he said, hey, listen, guys, Earth's not the center of the universe. I was like, wow, that's how we live our life. And I went, because you know, I'm from Wahlberg and all this stuff, and I went and looked, and I wrote these words down. Heliocentrism is actually the fact that the Earth is not the center of the universe. It's the sun right here. That's, the, that's it, the sun. And I don't even know how they all know that. I mean, there's so much space out there, but the sun is the center of the universe. And up until, there was this guy even way further back in like 250 BC, like way back there. He was the first known human to ever say this. Hey, the earth's not the center of the universe. He was the first one like way back in 250 BC. But then this guy writes a book about it, and I need my friend Chris By to come up here and say the name of this title because it's not in English. But anyway, he said in this book, eh, hey, the earth is not the center of the universe. There's another term that I wrote down here, geocentricism, and it's actually saying, no, the earth is the center of the universe. I will go as far as to say, and maybe I'm getting ready to invent this word, but self-centricism is where a lot of us live today. It's not the sun at the center. It's not the earth at the center. It's God at the center. You know who fuels that lie? Yeah, I'm not the center of it. God is at the center of all of this. Like, I want to know what he knows because he's at the end of all this. And so if we're frantic and we're running against this and we're always over here, I want to know what God sees. 
Like, God, I need your understanding because I know that you're not only the beginning and the middle, but you're at the very end of this thing too, and I'm going with you. It's exactly what Nehemiah was doing here. He relied on the fact that God knows. I don't know how we're going to do this in 52 days. I don't know where I'm going to get all the timber. I don't know how much time the king's going to give me. I don't know if the king's going to kill me when I go to him with this, but I'm going with you, God. And I've got to remember that as a strategy tomorrow because some of us are going back into some environments that are less than stellar. And my feet are going to hit the floor tomorrow and I'm going to remember that I'm in his presence and that changes things. And I am going to not freak out if there is anything that is lacking because I know that my God is the provider and then I'm not going to stress and I am not going to run in all directions. I'm going to say, hey, Lord, I know that you know all things. I know that you are greater than my doubts. I don't know how. I don't know how this wall is going to get built in 52 days. But I know what you've said. Some of us here today are at a place where we get to reignite our trust in an all-knowing, ever-presence, ever-present, all-powerful God. Some of us are at that place today. Strategy is, my God is providential. And he knows. The last one is that I'm going here this morning is, a strategy can be his people. Real quick, there are times you and I need to be alone in God's presence, okay? There is a difference between being alone, desiring to be alone, than desiring to be alone in his presence. That's a big difference. If you ever struggle with loneliness, there should be this thing going off inside of you right now. Because I have felt, I have known, the Holy Spirit has let me know that there is a difference between wanting to be alone and wanting to be alone in God's presence. Okay? Nehemiah gives us an example. He gives us an example that he went to be alone with God. How was he going to know the strategy? He had to be alone with God. How does he know that the enemy is actually going to try to distract him? It's because he was in God's presence. There's a difference between wanting to be alone and wanting to be alone in God's presence. Are we clear? Amen? So here's the thing. But you and I were not created to be alone. Today, we are wrapping this thing up. If you are struggling with the attack, the strategy of the enemy to be alone, you and I today are shedding light on that. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know. I was like, Lord, I'm going to write down what you've been saying to me. We have been talking about this for a couple of weeks. We've written this down. This wasn't something that just came about this week. This was a few weeks in the making. And I tell you, I could still be in meetings right this second with people in the first service who said, you exactly described my life. I talk with just a couple of people after the first service and it is like God saying, Scott, this is an issue in our community. He didn't create you to be alone. 
But it is a strategy of the enemy to bring loneliness into your life. That's what he did here with Nehemiah. I don't know how this works, but I know that the enemy knew the strategy that God was going to use Nehemiah for. And you can read throughout this whole passage, this whole book, and I'm just going to real quick try to read a couple of these verses. Chapter 2, verse 10, if you're taking any notes, look at this. When Samballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Amorite official heard about this, the God's plan, the rebuilding of the wall, when they heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Their strategy from the enemy. And then you read on and you can flip over like to the sixth verse. I mean, the sixth chapter. And look at this. I want you to look at the last part of chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 2. It says, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. They said, come let us meet together. It sounds good and sounds nice. It sounds like what people do. Come let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. And you can read on for yourself later this week and you can see this. But the very next sentence, because Nehemiah had been in God's presence, God had revealed strategy of the kingdom of God to Nehemiah. Nehemiah goes and says, hey, wait a minute. I know that they are scheming to harm me. Can I tell you something? If you're sitting here and you're spending time in God's presence, but you go and find yourself wanting to be alone, I can tell you something. It is a tactic of the adversary that he is not wanting the best for you. He wants you alone. Because if he can get you alone and he can get you distracted and he can get you away from God's plan, God's person, God's presence, his power, his providence, the fact that he provides, if he can get you alone, I want to tell you, I've been there, I'm speaking from some experience. Alone is a tough place to stay. God didn't create us for that. Over and over, you read this. Nehemiah was aware of the scheme. He said, they were trying to distract me. They're trying to pull me off the wall because I was doing God's work and they didn't want to see it come to completion. Hey guys, listen, the same thing's true for you. There's people, and there is opposition that knows that you have been called, that you've been chosen, that you have been equipped for amazing God things, and the enemy does not want to see you and God do those things. So we can just play it off. Well, it's just, I just don't want to be alone. I said, that's not how God created us to be. So if you're lonely in this place, let me say this. There are times we need to spend time with God, yes, but there are not long, dark, extended times where you find yourself by yourself. And if that's what you want, then that's what we're here today to shed light on. And this is just a couple of quick things. And maybe we'll talk about this later. But here's the thing. If people have hurt you and that's driving you to be alone, if people have hurt you, and that's what's driving solitude in your life. Listen, I'm not going to say it has to be this very second, but I'm going to say you better spend a lot of time with God because you have to forgive them. You have to. 
You have to. And see, when you forgive, I know they've hurt you, and I've had this conversation early, as recent as just earlier today. They're not supposed to hurt you. They're not supposed to. I know that. How do I forgive them? You're going to have to spend a lot of time with the Lord and ask him because you don't want me to actually give you what you need to do. You actually want it from the Lord. I promise you that. How do I forgive them? I don't know. Go spend some time with God and say, God, they hurt me. They're not supposed to hurt me. They hurt me deep. They hurt me bad. You need to forgive them. I know. Here's the thing. You're not responsible for their response. They may not forgive you. But I've been obedient to the Father. That's uncomfortable. I know. Sitting down there. Hey, you know, can I talk? It's uncomfortable with only like three feet of a table separating you. And you have to admit, you know, like, I'm sorry. I really am sorry. Like, will you forgive me? And that's your response, that silence, that's uncomfortable. But I'm not responsible for their response. I'm responsible for what God has said to me. You're responsible for what God has said to you. So someone has hurt you and that is making you go to be alone. You've got to forgive them. The second thing is this, you have to trust God. You have to. Because your trust in people has probably been broken. That's why you're alone a lot of times alone. You've got to trust God. I can promise you this, trusting God will, and I'm, I want more and more and more of this, will lead us to actually trusting other people. This is like, I'm, I'm not here with you. I know this. Trusting God, who he says he is, that he is the way maker, the one who brings light to the darkness, the miracle working God, I'm going to trust you. I know how some of you feel in this room. Trusting you right now, saying, hey, I've struggled going into the Main Street Chick-fil-A because I don't know who I'm going to run into there. That's a struggle. But it's going back to these promises as this is actually who God is. He is the way maker. He's got a strategy for me, his child. And when I'm struggling to go over here and want to be alone all the time, that is not how he created me to be. We have to forgive people. We have to trust God, and it will lead to us actually trusting other people. 